and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And me, Nathan, I'm currently very jealous of you, the listener, because you can look down at your podcasting app and see how long exactly the show will be, because I have no idea. We have, what, two basketball games to recap, two to preview, four baseball games to recap, five to preview, and the Lady <laughs> Texters made some noise in basketball this week. Softball plays eight games upcoming that we won't preview. Oh my but god. This is a <laughs> there's what? a lot of stuff happening. How do they play eight games? Yeah, all right. So we'll skip to the there's end real quick. Seven days. There's seven days. They actually play these games across only four days. Five days, sorry. Wow. That would have been outrageous for it to be four days. Tuesday, yeah. they play McNeese. Wednesday, Southeastern. Friday, Central Connecticut and ULL. Saturday, Central Connecticut again and Troy. And then Sunday, Troy and LSU. All of those weekend games being played in Baton Rouge. I, I don't know. I don't know how softball players do it. That seems insane to me. They show up, they throw the ball and they hit it. I mean, that's fair, I guess. It's just that's a lot of showing up and a lot of hitting the ball. Or maybe not. Maybe that's the key. You just strike out all the time and then you get to go home early and enjoy some orange slices. Orange slices. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just speaking for my own SPBA career. Uh, so, uh, slide out Bantam Baseball Association, baby. Let's go. But first, before we talk about Bantam Baseball, I didn't really figure out what that meant. Let's talk basketball. Yeah. Because uh, there were a couple great games this week by the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. One that ended very well and one that ended uh, not so well. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch the Rice game, so uh, I, was at, I was down at a conference until Saturday morning, so... Interested to hear how this game went. Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into that quick game recap. Uh, you'll never see this coming. Tech starts off with another slow start, but so does Rice. And with six minutes gone out of this game, it's only five to four Rice. The wow. baseball score. Uh, the rest of the half is pretty back and forth. And at intermission, it's 34 to 27 dogs. Somehow, Tech was able to grab a seven point lead going into the half while going zero of five from three point land. Apparently, the Bulldogs were saving all of their threes for the second half. They shot 12 of 15 from deep in the final 20 minutes, but wow. Rice also shot 80% from three in the second half. That's insane. Uh, that allowed the Owls to stay in the game and close that gap to 50 to 48 Bulldogs with 13 minutes left. And Lofton, uh, starting the half with four missed shots, didn't really help when it came to allowing Rice to get back into this game. Uh, Tech goes on a short run. Rice goes on a short run, and it's 70 to 66 with three minutes left. But thanks to a three by Keiston Willis to make it a seven point lead and then some clutch free throw shooting, Tech takes home an 83 to 79 win. Yeah, just felt really too close for comfort. Yeah, I mean, it's Tech shot 80% from three, but it's also hard to defend a team that's shooting 80% from three. But even beyond that, I think this game doesn't even go the Bulldogs way if it weren't for above average free throw shooting down the stretch. The final 12 free throws, Tech made 10 of them. And I. Uh, uh, yeah. Close game like this, that mattered a lot. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, another note from this game, this was Tech's first win at Rice at the Tudor Fieldhouse since 2016. Wow, wow. that's impressive. Also, I think you had the three-point and free-throw percentages backwards here because we shot 7 of 12 and 12 from 15 from free-throw. Uh, wow. but, but still, 7 of 12 is good. It's just not 80. I was like, 80%? That's insane. <laughs> 12, 12, <laughs> I, I 12 threes. I'll take um, that's, 80%. Yeah, that's exactly what I did as I looked at the free throw charts. That's <laughs> yeah. what happens when I have to preview and yeah, recap so many did, games. Yeah, you did all the notes this week. I did, I only helped with the Lady Texters basketball part, which is not a big part. So, 
Yeah, but I mean, just looking at the box score here, I mean, it looks like Lofton, you said he missed four shots to start out the second half, but he, he shot eight for 14 from the field, so he got most of those misses out of the way right there. Um, also four assists, so that's good to see. Um, Kobe and AAA also in double figures with uh, five assists each, so seems like they were distributing the basketball pretty efficiently, and that's what you expect when you have 83 points, right? Your starters have to be both scoring points in double figures and also, you know, passing it around. Yeah, this was also the game where we tweeted out a clip of uh, there was a little scuffle for the ball. Lofton got involved. Travis Evie comes up and pushes Lofton away. And then people were upset at Lofton for that for some reason. I don't know. This is a weird week for people being mad at Lofton for things. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into a, a weird chant in a little bit at the North Texas game. But uh, one more note from this game. I'm stealing this straight from Kay McGuire, who does the recaps on the official website for LaTeX Sports. Uh, the Bulldogs scored 49 second half points in this game. They now have scored 40 plus points in nine of the last 15 second halves in league play. The Bulldogs have turned it on in the second half and scored at least 40 points quite a bit in the Conference USA play. So we're overcoming those slow starts a lot like we did in this one, but it was just barely enough to get by, even with that many points scored in the second half. So we scored 49 points in the second half on Thursday? Yes. Wow. Uh, transition time. <laughs> <laughs> we scored 49 points in the entire game at North Texas, a game that I was at since I was there. I mean, uh, before I even jump into the recap, I mean, just want to give a shout out to that environment. Uh, they claimed it was like 8,100 people or something. So when they when they said that, I was sitting with our good friend LaTeX Report. When they said that over the loudspeakers, I was like, how many people does this stadium seat? Because it doesn't seem like it's that full. I, I mean, the lower bowl was pretty full, but then the upper bowl had some almost completely empty sections in places. But anyway. It is called the super pit. I mean, you don't call something a super anything without it. Fair. Fair. Uh, it seats about 10,000. Okay, uh, I was Googling to find out, and what I found instead was the Super Pit in Australia, yes. one of their largest old, I, <laughs> open pit I tried mines. to get directions to that accidentally <laughs> on Google Maps. You tried to get directions to an Australian? To an Australian mining site, yeah, because if you if you type in the Super Pit in Google Maps... What kind of gas mileage are you getting? <laughs> or boat mileage. <laughs> My car to my Civic turns into a submarine. Um, anyway, yeah, so uh, I'll recap the game, I guess. To start things out, um, I'll be nice and call it a defensive battle, but really both teams just weren't scoring at all. I mean, 11 minutes left in the first half, the score was 9-8. to eight. Um, I think there were a couple three-pointers in there too, so really just nothing efficient inside was going on for either team. The shots finally started falling, but it was unfortunately the mean green who were in the driver's seat. They built out to a six-point lead before Tech was able to cut it to two at the half with a beautiful cut to the net by um, by Kobe. I think North Texas figured that Conkle was going to draw up a three-point play, but uh, he just said, Kobe, just take it straight to the rim, and no one got in his way. So uh, it was 26-24 to 24 at halftime. Very low-scoring, ugly game, kind of like we anticipated. The Bulldogs unfortunately started the second half ice cold, missing their first six field goals and even missing two of the four free throws they were given by the Mean Green. Uh, meanwhile, North Texas wasn't doing too much better. They were only able to extend that two-point lead out to seven. Tech got a few shots to fall to cut it to four. 
But that's all before another round of cold shooting let UNT build up to a nine-point lead with nine minutes left. Um, then with five and a half minutes left, something like really strange happened. Something you don't really see in games against North Texas. Tech was able to go on a 9-0 run, tied the game at 49 with four minutes left. And much like the second half against Rice, 49 points was all that we wanted to score in the game. And we did not score for the final three and a half minutes or something like that. And uh, it was really frustrating to watch because just the way that we didn't score. I mean, Kobe cut to the net, had a layup, but he decided to try to pass it out to Keeson Willis for a three. And instead of passing it to Keeson Willis, he passed it straight to a North Texas player. But like he had at least an attempt, at least like a, a like a 50-50 shot at a at a layup, uh, wasn't super contested. And that was with the score tied at 49. We were still on that 9-0 run. So it was kind of just really frustrating. Then, you know, turnovers here, turnovers there. I haven't even mentioned turnovers in this recap, but it was pretty brutal to watch us play basketball in the super pit. And uh Unfortunately, um, you know, North Texas finally hit a shot. They were up, I think, 51 to 49. And then Tyler Perry, who I saw on Twitter, was 0 for 9 from the field at this point with one minute left in the game, hits a buzzer beating shot clock buzzer beating three, like flails his arms and the ball just swishes in because once that clock strikes one minute left in the game, Tyler Perry cannot miss a damn shot. Just like I said last week, I was right. And so they go up 54 to 49, pretty much the dagger. Tech tries a three and misses and then fouls. And it's 56 to 49 is the final. Very ugly basketball from both teams. But like we said, that's where North Texas loves to be. And they proved again and again that they can win games like that. I'm not really sure if it's ugly basketball. It's just good defense. And that's been North Texas's bread and butter the entire year. But it's... It sucks to see when Tech is used to playing really well offensively. And then something that uh, mostly left out of the the game recap, all the turnovers, especially yeah. early and especially late with the, that pass out that Archibald gives that ends up going the other way. The turnover margin wasn't horrible, if I remember right. Yeah, it was 14 um, for us and 10 for them. Yeah, but it seems like our 14 game. were egregious. Yeah. yeah. Like they they were worse than the normal ones. Man, it was just a very frustrating game because it kind of felt like, you know, like I said last week, it felt like it was going to come down to the last shot. And it didn't end up coming down to the last shot, but that three by Tyler Perry with 56 seconds left, that three by him was like, we played literally perfect defense and he had to flail his arms at a desperation three at the shot clock buzzer and it went in. And that place freaking blew up everybody, you know, it erupted and, you know, it, it was just, it was just frustrating because it was like, you just knew that was going to happen and there was nothing we could do to stop it. Yeah. If I remember right, even the commentators were talking about, they mentioned his stat line before he attempted that shot. And I was thinking in my head, wait, didn't you shoot really poorly until the buzzer beater last? Or I guess it wasn't a buzzer beater, but the almost buzzer beater in Rustin. And then he goes and does that. And granted, that didn't really matter in the end because Tech lost by seven. Yeah. Seven. And that made it five. But if but that's a shot clock violation instead fair. of a made three, I mean, we're still down two with the ball going the other way. Right. So, yeah. And, you, and maybe you don't go for a three pointer there. Maybe you go for the tie or, or it changes things. It's alternate timeline. Yeah. 
Oh, sure. I, I mean, it, it's just you look at his stat line in these two games that he played. Let me. So both games combined, he shot three for 19 against us. <laughs> and he has pretty much game winning or game uh, game altering right three pointers in both games. <laughs> yeah. And he's three for 19. So we did an excellent job defending him. But once the clock hits one minute, you can't defend him anymore, basically. Uh, it was it was frustrating. And. Again, I just want to, you know, the environment was really cool to see in Conference USA. Um, I really hope we can keep playing North Texas, at least in basketball, if not other sports too. But it's it's a pretty good rivalry. These teams always play each other close. And uh, yeah, the only thing I had a problem with really was uh, you mentioned a cheer earlier, Nathan. And at one point, Lofton Jr., who had done some really good things, he had a pretty quiet stat line for him in this game. Just... Uh, 13 points and nine rebounds. So almost a double, double. And you know, he's, he's sitting at 11 points and nine rebounds and he shoots two foul shots and the North Texas student section starts chanting overrated. And I was just like, I mean, he's the only player on our team that's even done anything, you know, stats wise. Like, uh, also he had done some, like he had made some pretty good moves and earlier in the game, you know, like a Euro step cut to the basket and the people around that one, the people were all like, oh, my God, how did he do that? Right. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't I was going to ask you all the same thing. You know, like it was uh, he's just so fun to watch. And this is only the second time I've gotten to see him in person. So I'm uh, looking forward to the conference tournament next week or in a couple weeks. But anyway, I, I was just like, come on, guys. He's not he's not overrated. Like <laughs> to be fair to North Texas fans, most of the ones on Twitter have like, yeah, that was dumb. Um, I mean, there was some some Twitter weird yeah some might stuff going on at some point but most some of the people were pretty said like oh it's classless or whatever and that's not what i meant i just meant like it's just it's just a dumb cheer like he's not overrated you're dumb <laughs> but um yeah, if we did the we have football they're allowed to say overrated they can just also oh, yeah. be wrong yeah my point my point which i said at the stadium to no avail was <laughs> that shouting, you know, shouting to the void yeah yeah you're gonna you're gonna say the guy with the double double against you is overrated okay uh and then people correctly pointed out on twitter that he did not have a double double and that i was blind but i figured with like six minutes left in the game he had nine rebounds i figured he was gonna get one more okay he did and, and hey at least you didn't mistake free throw shooting for three-point shooting and box scores and typing up the notes yeah uh, so anyway, I mean, did you guys have any final thoughts about this game, Matt? You haven't really given any thoughts about it. Uh, no, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, I'm fairly certain I predicted a very low scoring game in which North Texas would win. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I, th- I think you even said the score because I think the score margin on Ken Palm was like 67 to 60. And you said that sounded about right, but maybe lower. Yeah. And it ended up being just that. So yep. I don't really have a lot of thoughts because exactly what I predicted happened. Yeah. I mean, really, I this game is closer than it, it should have been if you're North Texas. Uh, that, that late run by Tech almost gives them a lead. We tie the game late in the game. And when North Texas has been in control this entire way, yeah. um, it, it really felt like if these were reversed, North Texas would win either way because Tech has done this a couple times where they've blown that lead late. It, it felt like we were outplayed, we were outmatched, we were outshot, we were out everything, and yet somehow we were still this close. But this close, with yep. your thumb and your pointer finger very close together, has been kind of the motto of our basketball team the past nine years. So yeah. who knows? We'll go into the tournament 
Um, and this may be a good place to go ahead and jump over to talking about conference standings and stuff like that, because really all that matters is the tournament. Uh, North Texas is talking like they've already won it um, and trying to recruit wow. junior to join their team. But Congrats. that's besides the point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's go into this real quick to kind of feed into that point. Computer polls, they're about the same. Ken Palm is 99th. Massey's 112th. It's about what it was last week. But for the conference tournament standings, Tech right now is 11-5 and five in conference and UAB is 12-4. and four. To tie UAB and both be in the same place in the standings, Tech would need to beat ODU and UAB, and that's assuming that UAB beats USM. They were both 13-5. and five. But I'm pretty sure that UAB holds the tiebreaker uh, based on when there was some confusion about this back in 2018. I'm assuming the tiebreakers are still the same, but after head-to-head, uh, the conference rules say, if it's still tied, you compare the records versus teams with the highest winning percentage in conference play and descending order until the tie is broken. So basically, you look at the best team in conference that they both, both us and UAB have played. That will be North Texas, because North Texas only has one conference loss. And UAB, yeah, UAB is 1-1 one one against North Texas. Yep. And Tech lost to them twice. So that would give UAB... The tiebreaker giving them the two seed if that scenario takes place. So the only way for Tech to be number two in the tournament and get a double bye is that Tech needs to win out and UAB also needs to lose to Southern Miss. Ooh, okay. Well, see you. Go you Golden Thursday. Eagles. Yeah. See you Thursday of the conference tournament then, I guess, because we ain't getting that double bye. <laughs> I mean, I mean, go, go Eagles, I guess. But, you know, it's not happening. So, yeah, I mean, three seed. Not ideal because that puts us on the it'll probably be North. I mean, it's definitely North Texas and also most likely Western Kentucky will be on our side of the bracket. So not great uh, there. So anyway, should be fun in Frisco. But, you know, I think with this team, like we've kind of said the past few weeks, we're we're good, but not great. And if we can get hot in a couple weeks, I do really believe that we could make a run. But, you know, <laughs> We also should have beat FAU and, you know, we should have held on against UAB in North Texas and we just didn't have it. Right. So when it comes to do or die time in the tournament, do we have it? Uh, I don't know. We'll preview that in a couple weeks, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. So we still have those two games left. And yeah, if Tech has any chance at getting that two seed or, you know, just kind of tuning up before the conference tournament, they'll need to do it against ODU and then hopefully upsetting UAB. If no other reason, just to beat UAB. On their home court. That would be fun. But first, the Monarchs. It's this Wednesday, as I was corrected on Twitter, at 6 p.m. Central at the TAC or on Kusa.tv. Yep, oh, that's man. right. We're playing basketball on Kusa TV. Great. Hooray. Yeah, ODU is number 186 in Ken Palm, 12 and 17 overall, but they did just sweep the Florida Twins, FAU and FIU. Uh, their best win came against this UAB team that we just talked about, and we'll talk about more in a second. They're number 54 in Ken Palm, and, they, and ODU beat UAB by 11 at home but then the very next game they played number 239 marshall and lost by four on the road wow uh this team is not a good shooting team they're especially bad at three pointers they're 33rd worst in the nation at the three-point shot but luckily for the monarchs they don't shoot a lot of them uh only 26 percent of their shots are three-pointers tech by the way 42 percent of the bulldog shots are three-pointers wow that's a lot. Uh, they do shoot a lot of long twos, so two-point jumpers, 36% of their shots. Technically shoots 19% of their shots as two-point Js. Uh, they also struggle for, with three throws, only hitting 67%, and a middle-of-the-pack defense with not too much jumping out. Uh, so really, it's about defending the two-point shot, keeping them from making those two-point jumpers, and 
and this is a team that Tech should beat. But if ODU finds a way, who's one of those players you think, Evan, that that might stand out? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with their big. His name is oh god, Kalu Izikpe. <laughs> um, he is a six foot eight junior, and um, you didn't mention this, but defensively they're actually pretty decent at blocking shots. Kalu Izikpe is one of the reasons why he has a 5.2% block rate, which is 149th best in the nation. So, you know, he's, he also gets involved offensively. He's got a, uh, a 50.7 effective field goal percentage and he gets, he gets rebounds. He's ranked around 250 in both uh, offensive and defensive boards. So, um, you know, this is definitely a guy that's important to them on the inside. I'll go with another big uh austin trice he plays both the four and the five depending on the lineup uh six foot seven senior he shoots the two-point shot very well or 55 percent from two uh but really what he does very well is he gets to the free throw line uh he's 65th best in the country at getting to the charity stripe uh doesn't turn over the ball very much rebounds the ball pretty well has a defensive rebounding percentage that's 27th best in d1 basketball uh, just kind of this one guy who does it all, which kind of sounds like Junior Lofton to me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, he's who I'll have my eye on on Wednesday night. Matt, anyone stick out to you on this roster? Wow. Uh, it looks like their leading scorer is a fellow named C.J. Kaiser, uh, a guard, senior guard, and shoots a reasonably impressive 82% from a free throw strike. So that's my guy right there, C.J. Kaiser. If it's a close game late, you may need those free throws like Tech showed against Rice this past week. Maybe ODU does the same thing to Tech. Um, yeah, Massey gives Tech a 73% chance to win this game, 71 to 65. Ken Palm is a little more optimistic because, of course, they are. 79% chance to win, 74 to 65 final score predicted. So that's by nine. Uh, what do we think? Do we think it's a, a six point, nine point victory? Or nice. do we think that, yeah, there we go. Or do we think that ODU makes this a little bit more of a game? No, you want to start? No, I will start. Okay, that's fair. I think Tech's going to win by 15 or 17. Okay, Evan? 15 or 17 specifically. Um, Yeah, this whole Dominion team is kind of hard to figure out just looking at their games. I mean, Tech can't lose four home conference games in one year, right? We already lost three, which is wild. Uh, I think we win by double digits at least. I'll say 12. Yeah, I don't believe that Tech can win and have it not be a close game. They just haven't shown that to me recently. And I guess UTSA wasn't a close game, but this isn't UTSA that we're playing this week. So, I mean, I think this is like a four or five point game. Tech still wins it, but it Old Dominion just never goes away. Fair. A team that definitely won't be going away, UAB. Well, I guess they will be because they're heading to a different conference soon. But then again, so is Old Dominion. Uh, Saturday at 2 p.m. Central and Stadium or at Bartow Arena in Birmingham, the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs will take on the UAB Blazers. Evan, what can you tell me about this UAB team that we've already previewed a few weeks ago? Yeah, right now they're number 54 in Ken Palm, which is pretty good. Uh, 22 and 7 overall on the year. Their best win was back in January. They beat North Texas, um, who is currently number 41. And that was on the road. So pretty impressive. They also lost last weekend to the, or two weekends ago now, to uh, the Mean Green in Birmingham. So hence the tiebreaker situation with them. But um, their worst loss came, like we mentioned a while back when it happened in January, they lost to Marshall. It was Marshall's first conference win. And that was just a couple games after they beat us. UAB beat us. So um, yeah, I mean, what, 
what do we look out for? I know we already previewed this team, so let's hurry up and get through here. But uh, yeah. what, what is this team good at? Yeah, so usually when we do these previews, we mostly are looking at their Ken Palm pages. And there's a lot of green, which means good, on their Ken Palm page. Uh, it's yeah. really kind of hard to single anything out. Uh, so I'll just skip to the one weakness. It's their three-point defense. Uh, Tech took advantage of it last time, shooting 40% from three. And Keystone Willis getting hot may give Tech a chance in this game for some revenge in Birmingham. Uh, that's that's really what the key will be is can we shoot three point baskets because sometimes we're hot sometimes we're not and if we're hot and it's against UAB that's a recipe for success and I mean the key to this game is can Jordan Walker fucking miss some shots that's the key yeah is he your player to game player to watch uh, I mean I feel like after last time he has to be right uh, yeah. but uh, I mean one thing that really stands out about this UAB team to me is that. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They have the 36th lowest turnover percentage, but they force the 25th most. So turnovers are going to be huge. We saw that last week at North Texas, and Quan Jackson has the fifth highest steal percentage. He steals the basketball on 5.1% of possessions when he's on the floor. So, you know, one in every 20 possessions, he will get a steal, like him personally, not the team, him. So, I think it's, I mean, I think the key to the game is can Jelly Walker miss some damn shots, yeah. uh, please. But also, if Tech wants to win this game, we're going to have to play cleaner than we did um, against North Texas, especially. And Quan Jackson's going to be the key to that not happening from UAB's perspective. Yeah, my player to watch will be Trey Jemison, who is someone who was pretty well shut down last time these two teams played, only scoring two points at the game in Ruston. Uh, but. Lofton has not looked the greatest this week. Teams have started to figure out ways to play him, and that sometimes means double or triple teaming him, and those outlet passes are starting to be defended better and things like that. And so it comes down to the big, and Jemison is UAB's big. And so if he can put a stop to Lofton and keep him from building any momentum as the game goes on, that could be huge. And (laughs) UAB doesn't need all the help they can get, but Tech certainly does, and we need Lofton to be in this game. For sure. Matt, you have anybody on this UAB team? Yeah, I'm I'm picking Walker. Yeah. That's the make that's the make or break guy right there. Thirty six points in the last yeah. meeting in Ruston. So yeah, it's hard to, uh, hard to pick against him. Scoring nineteen points a game, almost eighty eight percent shooting from the free throw line. He's their leading assist man too, so he's very good. That's my guy. Yeah. Well, the computer polls seem to be about as optimistic in this game as we've been so far, at least. Massey gives Tech a twenty four percent chance to win. Final score predicted of sixty nine, nice to seventy seven. And Ken Palm, the same exact chance, 24% chance to win this one, 71 to 79. So Ken Palm thinks it will be a bit higher scoring than Massey does. What do we think? Do we think that Tech is able to spoil no. UAB season? Okay, well, go ahead then. Tech's going to lose, I'd say, by 10 to 12 points. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to pick us, I think, just because of the reasons that I've been saying, right? Do we have the clutch gene right i know that's kind of not as analytical but do we have the players around junior lofton that are going to step up and make shots i mean keiston willis uh can score 30 points if he could do it against uab i think we'll win (laughs) but you know he does it against utsa instead so i i don't know right like i think uab wins this game and i think they win it by eight so i guess i agree with i agree with the computer polls exactly (laughs) Yeah, but 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 you're wrong. Tech's winning this game. 
Oh. Wow. I, I don't want to give any more details because every time I go into specifics about how they'll win, they don't. So I'll just leave it there. Okay. And say that tech is winning. Fair enough. And speaking of winning, the Lady Texters did some of that this week. Yeah. Uh, great week for the Lady Texters basketball team. They started out Thursday night um, at home against Rice. And I'll just fast forward because this was a long game. Um, Anilar Roberson hit a jumper with 42 seconds left to tie it. Rice went on to miss two free throws. Tech missed at the other end. Rice missed at the other end. Nobody wanted to hit a game-winning shot. So it was on to overtime. And first overtime, it was kind of back and forth the whole way. Um, The teams needed a second period of overtime to decide this one. Rice scored the first two points on a free throw, and then they did not score again for the remainder of the five-minute overtime. Tech ends up going on a 12-0 run to close things out and wins 90-80. to But that final score is not really what's notable here. Uh, two players that we've pretty much, uh, probably the only two texters we've talked about, to be honest, uh, put on an absolute clinic. Anilar Roberson had 44 points and nine rebounds. Um, Kiana Walker put up only the fourth triple-double in Lady Texter history. Uh, she scored 27 points. 15 rebounds and 10 assists. We've been, you know, saying on this show that Keanu Walker like belongs in a bygone era of tech of Texter basketball. And yeah, uh, the fourth triple double in school history. Yeah. I think that pretty much proves it. I also saw a tweet that says teammates in the NBA, WNBA or division one men's and women's basketball to have a 40 point game and a triple-double with 25 points in the same contest. So teammates, uh, to do what Anilar and Kiana did in this game, uh, Kyrie Irving and LeBron James did it once, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook did it once, and Anilar Roberson and Kiana Walker did it. Those are, <laughs> those are the three Those are the three teammates, sets of teammates that have done that. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty random way to look at things, but just pure insanity unfolded there. Yeah, so Roberson is the 13th player in program history to score 40 or more points in a single game. Wow. Knowing our program history is pretty impressive. And the first to do it since 2019, actually, Kara Anthony did it. Oh, yeah, she had 50 in one game. Yeah. Uh, 44 points is the fifth most points ever scored in a single game for the Texters. Um, and her 20 made field goals is tied for the most in program history with Belinda Jones, who did it in 1974-75 season. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, but the Texters went on on Saturday to win 62-54 to against North Texas. Um, Keanu Walker had 22 points and 9 rebounds, so not quite a double-double there. And actually, we kind of slept on the Texters a little bit because they're in first place in the Western Division right now. Um, with two games left to go, Tech has a half-game lead over Southern Miss and North Texas and a one-game lead over UAB. So it's still very much up in the air here. Um, and the Western side of the conference is not quite as good as the Eastern side. Yeah, Tech is nine and seven right now in the conference. We, Southern Miss is eight and seven. North Texas is an eight, eight and seven. UAB is eight and eight. So there's, there is room to fall from first place pretty easily in these last couple of games. Meanwhile, on the Eastern side, Charlotte's 14 and two. Old Dominion's 12 and four. Middle Tennessee's 12 and four. Western Kentucky's 11 and five. So right. <laughs> a lot of the, the better like teams are on the other side of the bracket. Yeah. Um, we play one of those teams you just mentioned this week. Uh, we are number 166 in Massey. We take on number 96, Old Dominion. Uh, Massey gives us a 21% chance to win and predicts a 65 to 56 loss. Uh, that's on Wednesday night. Then we come home to play UAB, who's number 195. 
um, and we have a 65% chance to win, and they predict a 66-61 victory there. So uh, still up in the air, but, I mean, it's looking nice to get that double buy. Well, it's looking nice to get one of the two buys, I guess, because we might not beat Old Dominion on the road, but who knows? Get hot at the right time, and maybe the textures will be back in the big dance before the men's team is. I, I don't know how I feel about that now that I think about it. I mean, I get, I'm, I'll be happy that one of the yeah. teams made it just just after how long the men's team has been so close. Right. It, yeah. Uh, before we dwell too long on those feelings, let's move to baseball where there was no feelings to be had this week, right? Oh, God. The feelings ran the gambit here. Yeah, it was a roller coaster. But yeah, LSU on Tuesday was, you know, was it Wednesday? Apparently, I just don't know what day of the week Wednesday is. Uh, yeah, so Wednesday night. Tech welcomed the Louisiana State University Tigers to Ruston to play at the Love Shack, where Tech jumped quickly on top of the Tigers, scoring five runs in the first three innings, helped quite a bit by LSU's fielding mistakes. Uh, Cade Gibson, the pitcher, meanwhile, came out dealing, taking a no-hitter into the fourth inning. But damage is done in that fourth inning as a single and a homer cut the lead to 5-2. to two. LSU started to cut down on some of their mistakes fielding-wise, and after the fifth, it was 5-3 to three Bulldogs. Good to still have the lead, but momentum was with LSU. Saturday starter Greg Jennings came out of the pen for some reason. He gives up another run, but gets three outs. Now it's five to four. Yeah, it is Ryan Jennings. Greg Jennings is someone else. Jennings is the wide receiver for the Packers, right? <laughs> yep, yep. I, again, I typed these notes up way too quickly, apparently. But thanks to three LSU errors and two tech hits, the Bulldogs played four in the sixth to make it nine four Bulldogs. Greg Martinez shuts down the 7th and 8th innings. Taylor Young adds a two-run shot in the 7th. And Kyle Krigger goes 1-2-3 in the ninth inning. And Tech takes down LSU in Ruston 11-4. Yeah, uh, good shit. I mean, <laughs> yes, uh, we we did it. We beat LSU at home. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was very tense until we got that last out. Uh, even though we were up seven runs, like... Normally you're up seven runs at the bottom of the or the top of the ninth inning and you're kind of like, oh, OK, yeah, this is nice. We can take it easy. My blood pressure is not high, but I just figured we would blow it. And, you know, it was very nice to not blow it. Yeah. My big worry was LSU struggled early defensively and not even just pitching wise, but there were five errors committed by the Tigers on the night. And there was the the two run homer in the seventh. But really, all the other runs were at least helped by errors or Things that weren't called errors, but could have been considered errors, like a, yeah. a close play at first base or something like that. And so I figured once they kind of got in the game and after that third inning, when Tech didn't score for a bit, it was like, OK, this is just like last year. Tech jumped out to a huge lead against LSU just for the Tigers to come back. And they ended up winning yeah. by like, what, six or seven, if not more. Oh, they won 16 to seven. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was expecting to happen here. And that is not what happened. Instead, Tech found whatever they needed to find. Greg Martinez is my hero now, <laughs> shutting down this that seventh and eighth inning. And yeah, it was a great night. It was a cold night. It was a wet night, but it was a great night. Yeah, and I mean, I, I saw some noise about LSU's coach kind of, I guess, <sighs> making excuses. Obviously, you know, they, they lost a game. It was weird baseball weather, right? It was like 37 degrees and raining. So not ideal conditions. 2014 Conference USA Football Championship weather. <laughs> but I saw that um, people that were at the stadium said that LSU didn't come out and take batting practice. They didn't come out and take like fielding practice before the game. And apparently they're 
coach kind of alluded to the fact that he thought the game was going to get canceled. So he like didn't tell his team to actually prepare to play, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious because, you know, you, you played yourself, right? Like yeah. we're a great team. You better fucking come ready if you're going to play us, you know? And uh, I, I think you saw that they don't play on turf and we, we have turf, right? And, you know, the ball bounces differently on turf. So, but really the, a lot of their fielding errors, especially in that, what was it? The fifth inning, the sixth, when was it that we, yeah, the sixth inning they had three errors in one inning. And basically it was just the shortstop, like missing his throw to first base. So it wasn't like a fielding error. It was like, you just can't throw the ball because your fingers are cold, I guess. Um, but we didn't have any errors at all. So, you know, it was the same conditions for us, right? I, I don't know. Felt weird to make, uh, make excuses. You have to be on top of your game. And maybe out tech was tuned in more, maybe because they warmed up, maybe because they knew that this was such a big game for them. But tech proved themselves last year. Tech has a number by their name in several polls. Right. This isn't. You're going to show up and not take fielding practice when you're playing a team that's ranked as highly as 14th in some polls. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. That's, that's your own fault. Like, like when number 24 beats number 10 in the in like a college football game, that's an upset, but it's not as much of an upset as Jacksonville State being, was it Florida State? Yeah. That's, this is an upset, but barely. It, it means a lot, but it's, it's also, it's weird. LSU fans are weird. That's my takeaway. Yeah. Matt and I talked about it last week too, how it wouldn't be the end of the world to lose this game, but it would be huge for us to win it just because of the momentum that it would create within our program. And unfortunately, we also joked that we would, you know, come out and and blow it against Tulane, uh, which, you know, spoiler alert, kind of happened. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a huge night for us to get this win. Big momentum builder. We play them again in a few weeks down in Baton Rouge. So, I mean, maybe they'll maybe they'll take us seriously this time since we beat them. But, um, you know, I think even if they take us seriously, I think we could win this game. I mean, you know, we won 11 to six. It's not like it was an error in the bottom of the ninth that allowed us to win the game. Right. It, it, it was pure domination, both pitching and hitting yep. that, that took us over the Tigers. Yeah. Unfortunately, against Tulane, Taylor Young wasn't as hot and neither was the rest of the team. The first game went pretty well. Uh, but it was still a defensive battle until Tech blew it open in the seventh inning. Jonathan Fincher only had one clean frame of six innings of work, uh, but Tulane was only able to plate one run of those six innings. Uh, Tech also didn't have much issue getting on base, but a two-run McConnell double provided the only scoring early. A Cronosack fly, a a Netterville race to the plate on a wild pitch, and and an Adarius Myers homer brought the lead to to 6-1 with two innings to go, and Cade Hodges and Landon Tompkins didn't give up a single hit out of the bullpen to let Co- Tech coast to a 6-1 to victory. Uh, Saturday's game was postponed to Sunday, now part of a seven-hitting, two-game doubleheader. Yikes. Yeah, uh, these games did not go as well. Yeah. Dylan Carmooch, I guess. Carmouch. Sunday was not a good day. Yeah. Tulane starter for that first game really had Tech's number. He didn't allow a hit until the fourth inning, but in the fourth, Tech gets four straight singles to score one run and load the bases, but a double play limits the damage to just that one run Tech lead. Brutal. And those four singles would be Tech's only hits of the game. They all came in a row. Uh, Ryan Jennings was also dealing, giving up only two hits until the fifth, where a single and a home run make it a two-to-one Tulane lead. Uh, Jennings gets two outs in the seventh before losing all control of his pitches. Nick Ellis comes in to get that final out, but he was even wilder. It took freshman Anthony Giannette coming in to get that third out, 
to bring the game to the bottom of the seventh, the final inning. Tech needed three runs in the bottom of the seventh to tie the game, but instead they went one, two, three, and Tulane took game two, four to one. I mean, Tech had it Friday. Maybe they can bring it back for that second game on Sunday. But uh, that was just plain disastrous. Uh, Jarrett Worf looked fine in the first inning, but he completely fell apart in the second inning, hitting the first batter, then walking two more after an error to walk in a run. Due to another fielding error, more runs were scored, making making it four to nothing Tulane. Now the third inning is where the wheels completely fall off. Ugh. This this may be a little fun, actually, in a weird, uh, in a twisted kind of way. Kind yeah. Of way yeah. yeah, Martinez gets two quick ground outs. Then this happens. Double, single, single, double. All right, Greg Martinez gets pulled. He did his job against LSU. He, he's allowed to have an off night against Tulane. Tanner Knight comes in the game. Walk a balk. And then another walk. Okay. The dude Still. threw like one strike in, in, in two at bats. It was yeah. not great. He had as many strikes as he had balks. <laughs> it's <was> not great. <laughs> That's a record, I'm sure. Caden uh, Copeland comes in the game. I believe another true freshman gives up a walk, a triple, a double. And then finally, mercifully, a line out to third to end this. Again, it's the third inning. And now it's 12 to nothing Tulane. And there's no point in talking about the rest of the game, so I won't. Tech loses this one 13 to 5. Yeah. I, I mean, it was nice to see Tech like not just throw in the towel completely and like keep Like trying. I just did. Uh yeah, but but I mean individually nothing super special happened that I remember. I'm glad that I decided to listen to this one while I was like doing some yard work rather than like you know, giving up my whole Saturday afternoon to watch both of these games because it was uh, it was pretty rough. But yeah, I mean, is there anything that we need to talk about from this series? Obviously, we dropped the series one, one and two. Tulane's a pretty good team, right? It, it sucks to lose the way that we did. Um, I think that that bases loaded double play was a definite turning point for uh, maybe the whole day of Sunday in terms of momentum. I think pretty good team is actually underselling it a little bit. In baseball RPI, which is just a computer, but Tulane is fifth in the country, and they only moved up one spot after this weekend. They were already really highly ranked. They they swept their opening series, uh, and that was against UMass Lowell. Yes, which is not a great team, but also not a horrible team either. They're they're 177th in RPI according to this. So I, it's baseball. It happens. You have a bad day, and unfortunately, we just happened to play two games on that one bad day. Yeah, but. There is some control issues coming out of the bullpen, especially Jarrett Worf last year had games like this every now and then where he'd be dominant one weekend and then just not have it the next. He did and, not have it yesterday. Yeah. It and, was rough. And some of the relievers that came in after him were just as faulty, but I'm not freaking out about this yet. The same way that LSU shouldn't be freaking out about a lost attack. The, no. all, all these teams that played in Rustin this week are very good teams. And we'll probably, at this point in the season, looking at it, we'll probably all be making it to a regional round. So I I think that there, there is reason for people to want to panic, but I think that's the wrong call. Yeah. And I mean, this week will tell us a lot more. We're going on the road for the first time. And uh, as we always say, but probably haven't even said yet this season, baseball is about large sample sizes and single games or single you know days with double headers are not going to determine your entire season. I mean, it was a little troubling to see the hitting 
take a step back. Um, Taylor Young went two for 11 in this series against Tulane when he went three for four against LSU, but that's going to happen, right? Again, it's, it's one weekend. We'll see how things go this week when tech travels to South Louisiana and just kind of stays there. It's everybody down there. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much nickel state, Southeastern and McNeese state with three games against the Cowboys of McNeese state. First up nickel state, uh, four and four on the year, number 147 in RPI. They took one of three from number 16, Missouri, and then swept Mississippi Valley State. Uh, put up 37 runs in three games against MVSE's pitching. So that tech bullpen, which has been hot and cold, hopefully you won't get too cold against the Colonels, right? I think so. It's either Colonels or Colonials. I always get those two I words. I think they're Colonels. Southeastern, meanwhile, has a much easier name to say. They're the Lions. They're three and four on the year, number 133 in RPI. Notably, they lost to ULL and dropped two or three to UAB. And then the weekend series against McNeese State, who are six and two on the year. But of these three teams that we're talking about, they're the worst ranked in RPI, number 271. Uh, Those six wins, four of which came against Alcorn State, who is traditionally not a great program. But the Cowboys outscored Alcorn State 67 to three over those four games. So they also have some bats. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. What let sport me, are we talking about? Let's let's go through these games. Friday night, 13 to 0 in 7 innings. Saturday, 7 innings as well, 14 to 1, 17 to 1 for the later Saturday game. Jesus. Sunday, this gets even better. 23 to 1. My god. Okay. Can we play Alcorn State? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's who the Bulldogs are playing this week. Was that five games against those three schools? Yeah. I think only one of these games is televised, too. I think it's a Southeastern game on ESPN+. Plus. The rest yeah. of them, you'll just have to listen to uh, Dave Nitz on the app or on the radio if you're local. Uh, but, yeah, do we think th- these all seem like winnable games to me? Do we think we win? I mean, all five is kind of maybe a little bit of a stretch in baseball. But do we think we win like three or four or or maybe even all five of these. I think Tech goes four and one. Probably drop one of the games against McNeese. Yeah, everything else feels. I feel pretty good about saying they're going to win four of the four of the five. Yeah, I, I agree. Actually, exactly with what you said, Matt. I was going to say um, win the two midweek games, and then uh, actually, actually though, I don't know who the hell's going to pitch because we pitched a whole lot of our dudes on Sunday. So. I don't know. Southeastern's not bad, but I'll say we we win uh, those two and then drop the let's say the Saturday game against McNeese. So four and one. I mean, you mentioned all the pitchers that we threw Saturday. Just in that second game, we threw seven guys. So, <laughs> in a seven inning game. Yeah. So I guess the, the thinking is maybe Martinez will still be ready to go on like Wednesday because he only pitched two innings. Although he probably threw thirty five pitches in that inning that he pitched. But yeah, I mean, I think the same thing. I think four and one this week. I actually think that we drop one of the midweek games and then sweep McNeese. Um, and that brings us to our final sport of the day. This has been a full day. It feels like of recording the show. <laughs> Evan, you want to talk about the softball team? Yeah. So the softball team went to that weird tournament Matt and I talked about last week. Uh, I forget what it was called at this the point. Mardi Gras it, something, right? The Mardi Gras Mambo. Yeah, the Mardi Gras Mambo, Mambo, Mambo. Um, they played five anyway. games, right? They Mambo did. number five. They played five games. Uh, did you say Mambo number five? Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, uh, You're welcome. That was a great joke. You should be thanking me. <laughs> oh, no. Um, 
so yeah, they, they started out against number 84 in Massey, Portland State, and lost that one 4-1 to one on Friday. Then they beat the St. Thomas, Minnesota Tommies, uh, 10-2. Then on Saturday, lost 2-0 to zero to Alabama. I believe it was like a one-hitter or something, or a no-hitter maybe from Alabama. They're 15-0 and 0 and the number two RPI team in the country. So not bad to lose to them by two runs. Yeah. Then uh, second game Saturday beat Illinois, Eastern Illinois, sorry, 10 to three. And Sunday they beat Lipscomb three to zero. So all in all, not a bad weekend. They kind of lost the games you'd expect them to lose. They are currently ranked 146th in Massey. So everybody below them, they beat and everyone above them, they lost to. Um, If that trend continues, their eight games uh, stand this week won't go very (laughs) well. Um, We've got, I'll just rattle these off real quick. Number 67, McNeese State on the road. Number 64, Southeastern at home. So kind of a reverse baseball there. Yeah. Uh, playing the same teams the same night. Number 295, Central Connecticut in Lafayette for some reason. It's uh, a tournament, right? You oh, also there's, another, there's another tournament that you also... Yeah. So basically they just live in Lafayette this week, I guess. But Central Connecticut, number 295. ULL, number 22 uh central connecticut again troy number 44 that's in baton rouge on saturday what what is happening it's the lsu crossover tournament is what it's called apparently some of the games are hosted in lafayette and some in baton rouge i don't know i i I have no answers for you dude what is happening (laughs) so okay so central connecticut in baton rouge so they play them in lafayette on friday then in baton rouge on saturday i don't i don't know <laughs> do they uh, do they share a bus to save expenses <laughs> like one half of the bus is <laughs> one one column of the bus is tech and one column is central connecticut <laughs> um anyway uh troy and baton rouge they're number 44 lsu is number 24 they play troy again on sunday as well um, and then also next Tuesday, they play uh, number 91 ULM at home. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of games. And they have the only team that they're predicted to beat out of all the ones I just listed is Central Connecticut. So that's two wins, though. They play them twice. Yeah, two, two out of eight. Uh, so how many do you think they'll win, Nathan? Just out of curiosity here. Uh, let me get a random number generator going. Um, <laughs> random number generator. Out of, what's the max? I'll see. They will win exactly two games, probably over those Central Connecticut teams. Team. Uh, I'll say, I'll say, uh, for one thing, fuck ULL forever. So yeah, uh, they'll they'll beat them. Um, and then I think they'll beat Troy once. So I'll say they split it four and four, and that'd be a really good weekend. Would you believe me if I said random number generator gave me four as the second answer? Because <laughs> it did. I, I might. I might. Yeah. yeah so yeah, a full a full weekend of sports. A full week. Last week, full week this week, a lot of sports. And the Crucifer is right around the corner in basketball, too. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, Tweet of the Week. Yeah, for Tweet of the Week this week, um, it's a little bit of a, a I guess, an inside baseball thing uh, uh-huh. here. So so I'm going to toss it to you, Nathan. It's our good friends at Reddit CFB. Yeah, so as background for this tweet. Oh, God, this takes a lot of explanation, actually. Yeah, now that, now that you think about it. Uh, I believe last year or the yeah, last year there was a game between the Royals and the Reds where the Reds broadcaster for TV, Tom Brenneman had to apologize 
for a homophobic slur he made on a hot mic. He was apologizing for it, and then he's doing this while the game is happening. And so Nick Castanellos hits a home run while he's talking. So his exact thing is... I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. Um, If I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for the Reds. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I want to apologize for the people who signed my paycheck for the Reds, for Fox Sports Ohio, for the people I work with, for anybody that I've offended here tonight. It's uh, it, it, So anyway, it's become a, a bit of a baseball Twitter meme, right? Yeah, and, and just all over the place now. And at Reddit CFB, who's won a few of these, I believe, by now, gets this week's Tweet of the Week by using the CUSA social media letterhead, I guess is what you would call it, to put out a Conference USA statement saying, while Conference USA respects the court's decision to temporarily grant the recent motion filed by Marshall University, there's a drive into deep left field by Castanellos, and that'll be a home run. And so that'll make it a four four to nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for the FES. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at CBS. Yeah, it's Great. it's just very timely with the whole shenanigans going on between the conference and the three Sunbelt schools that are, or the three schools that are going to be Sunbelt schools at some point in the future. But, but yeah, anyway, well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E or head to our blog, gtpdd.dog, where you can play the baseball contest this year. And in fact, if you really wanted to, you could only play it once. Uh, five questions, you fill them out, and every week those questions are the same. So that means if you forget to answer them one week or you think, you know, well, last week's answers went well, maybe this week will as well, then you can just leave it blank and it will carry over to the next week. Or if you think, well, Tech, I don't think Tech will win four games this week. I think they'll win five because actually playing five this week. You can go back to gtpdd.dog contest, refill out the form, and I'll take the most recent answers of your username to uh, grade the contest. Uh, right now, at La Tech Report on Twitter is winning because that makes sense, I guess. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I actually remembered to play this past week and I still got zero points. Yeah, so. yeah Josh uh, <laughs> got the bonus question right that doubles your points scored, but got zero other questions right. So he got double zero or just zero uh, points this week. It's uh, nice. So poor Josh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, while you're there too, you can buy the shirt of the month. This comes up March 1st, which means it's too late to buy the Lady of the Mist shirt. Too bad, so sad. Snooze, you lose. Yeah, I'm still putting the final touches on this one as we're recording, but it's a rally train ticket based t shirt that I'm excited for. So okay. GTPDD.dog slash shop, and go ahead and get that before you forget that. Yeah, I found out about these when when Nathan tells everybody else. So yeah, it's it's more fun that way. Yeah, again, that's gtpdd.dog/shop. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And note to future Nathan: the Matt thing goes here. And go tech, please don't die.
You should just leave that. <laughs> yeah, that would be funnier. feels like of recording the show <laughs> evan you want to talk about the softball team yeah hey, real, real, real quick so i can jump off here um i'm just gonna say my in uh my i'm matt so you can put it in at the end nathan i'm matt <laughs>